Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good. We got some news and let's yeah. get right at it. Let's get right yeah. at it. What's the news? News is Edmonton Oilers have re-signed forward Devon Shore to a two-year extension, $850,000 a season. Two years at $850,000. So, Bruce, uh, we did a poll recently. Uh And uh, the poll question was, should the Oilers re-sign Devon Shore to a one-year deal for no more than $1 million? Okay, so this contract's a little longer, but for a, a, you know, it's, it's, it meets the no more than $1 million. It's a bit above league average. Uh, And the poll for that one-year deal... 74% 74% said yes, they'd like to see that, and 26% said no. So the vast majority of Oilers fans want it shore yeah. back next year. I suspect that if you had this, this same question with the slightly longer contract, the poll results would be the same. I'm also going to suggest, Bruce, that those poll results are in, in some part a vote of confidence for Ken Holland. He had made it clear... Um, at least about 10 days ago in his year-end press conference two weeks ago, that he was interested in bringing Devin Shore back, and he gave a long explanation about why that is. And why don't I just read what he said? Because um, it explains the Oilers' position on why they resigned this guy. So he was talking to Bob uh, Stoffer on Oilers Now, and he said, uh, quote, I'm going to speak for Tip and I. We like what Devin Shore brings. He can play left wing. He can play center. He can kill penalties. He can check. If he's a healthy scratch, he waits his turn. Mm-hmm. He's got a good attitude. He supports his players. He's, what, 26 years of age, so he's not old. He's conscientious. Yes, in all probability, I would see us resigning Devin. He talks about it. Uh, he talked about in his last five years, he had played for eight different coaches. Hopefully, we can bring stability. Those are the type of players that you need to grow into a bit. So that was Ken Holland's position. Fans had read that. People were well aware the others were probably going to bring him back. So I'm going to say part of the support for reciting Shore was that. There is a rather vocal community, Bruce, of people who are into analytics, especially mm-hmm. on ice analytics, yep. shot shares, goal shares, things like that. And they are probably, I'm guessing, they're not happy right about now. Um, they're, you know, that 20, the 25%, 24% who didn't want Shore. And, and I'm in that number because our grade A scoring chances numbers matched up with the on-ice analytics, the shot shares numbers. He, his offense was, at even strength, was weak. And his Defense, defense was meet, was average on the Oilers, was okay, just okay. So he's not an exactly, from any kind of analytic analytical point of view, a choice player. What's your take? Yeah, I'm on the same page uh, on the uh, honest um, results thing, and I've I just written a post on... Uh, on shore, and I discussed how he's below. Uh, he played about six hours at five on five this year. Uh, some at center, probably more at left wing. Uh, 
And during the during um, the time he was on the ice, the Oilers were below forty percent in uh, shot attempts and uh, unblocked shot attempts and shots on goal in scoring chances and in high danger chances. This is all on ice stats as per natural stat trick. So below 40%. I mean, let's put it in, in terms of shots on goal. It was 123 for 196 against. Per 60 minutes, 24, 32 against. Plus a little, you know, point three or four, but whatever. Let's call it 32 to 20. If you play a 60-minute hockey game and you get outshot 32 to 20, how well do you like your chances of winning that game? Or even tying that game? I mean... You have to outshoot. I have to have a way higher shooting percentage than the other team to uh, to break even, right? Like you yeah. And the, shoot only, at, the only question is how much is he to blame for that, right? That's really the like right. he's out there when that's happening. Mm-hmm. How much is he to like? He's not out there with Connor McDavid. He didn't get no. very many minutes with Connor early on yes. Drysaddle, did he? So there's that. He didn't probably get mm-hmm. many minutes, I'm guessing, even with the best defenseman. So there's that. But when we zeroed in on him, Bruce, and just looked yeah. at his contributions to scoring chances yeah, and mistakes were, on chances, mm-hmm. we also saw, like, in yeah. within that context of a, of the team getting outshot and outchanced and outscored, he was he was a part of that. He wasn't yeah. contributing much to the attack, and his play on the defensive end was just average for a winger. And Bruce, on the penalty kill, according to our our system of ranking players, he was the worst forward. He was the worst PKer. Now this is a very small sample size, and I, right. I I'm, I'm going to say he got better as the year went on. Yep, he, he figured it out. So, Bruce, okay, so we're in agreement, uh, you know, about all the numbers. the The numbers don't point to right um, a player that looked like the Oilers should resign. I think that's the, that's the conclusion. So, let's let's see if we can take one step past that. Why the heck did they do it? Like, what are they thinking? Do you think? Mm-hmm. What, what, you know, what's going on? Well, are they, they just like wrong? The they like the player. They currently, they currently, I mean, Ken Holland went out of his way in his end of the year presser to identify Devin Shore as a player that he liked and wanted to bring back. And lo and behold, that's the first guy he's gone out and signed. I mean, Holland's been taking a little bit of heat lately about the analytics um uh, efforts of the Oilers, which uh, is um, uh, not exactly a shining example. They have two. They have two people in their analytics uh, department, the Mahe brothers. Uh, I I don't know anything about them. You know what, what they bring to the table, and, and nothing against them. But I don't think it is a focus of the organization. And when Ken Holland himself was recently interviewed by the Athletic. Uh, on the subject of of uh, analytics, his uh, answer was uh, was less than uh, less than impressive to me. Uh, if I can find it, sorry, I've got a computer screen doing funky things. But basically, he said the word analytics about sixteen times, and his um, his takeaway was that uh, uh, goal differential at five on five is the analytics that I look at, which is very rudimentary analytics. In fact, he used that word, rudimentary, describing how he'd been doing analytics in Detroit 25 years ago. Well, if he's still doing goal differential at at 5v5, uh, it's an important number to be sure. It's it's one that we focus on quite a lot, but there's a lot more to it than that. And this is a player who 
his his on and ice goal differential at five v five was nine four seventeen against. That doesn't seem to me like a pri- should be a priority signing, but uh, uh, they obviously sub- see something different, and there's uh, uh, they see utility in this player, and he is in fact a utility player. As I say, he plays center, he plays wing, he plays penalty kill, he plays physical. Uh, he can, you know, sub in here and there in a number of roles, and that has value. Just like your utility infielder in baseball, he's probably not as good as your regular second baseman or your regular shortstop or your regular third baseman, and he maybe isn't a great hitter, but he can do enough things that he can help the team when they're not operating at full strength. He can fill in, give somebody a night off. He can, you know. Pepe Pepe Frias. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Mandatory 1970 sports reference. Bruce, I'm going to give you... Okay, I I wouldn't have signed this player again just based mm-hmm. on the what I saw, like the numbers. Right. But I'm not going to say I'm right. Like I, right. I can't. This isn't going to work out. I I I don't know. I, I have my doubts. But there's five things that give me pause. So I'm going to give you the five reasons. Okay. Tippett really likes this player. Yeah. Tippett, he if there's one thing he's good at, and this is a good thing, he's good at finding roles for players. And having them do well at that role, I wasn't that keen about Josh Archibald last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really, uh, I didn't like him playing with McDavid. That's for sure. I, you know, I was okay with him. Like I thought he was, but let's. Josh Archibald has gotten better and better and better with the Oilers, and I could see them taking Shore and doing the same kind of thing, molding him into a certain role, and have his play. Improve, And I think we saw that this year from the start to the end. I think I saw a better player. The second thing is the playoffs. He did look damn good in the last game. He, he was fast and big, which comes into my uh, third thing was he's fast and big, big-ish, but kind of fast. Uh, the orders could use speed and he looked good in the playoffs. So, so he, Tippett does have that. I think that's one of his abilities as a coach to take a player like this and raise him up to a higher level. And he's given himself now three years with this player, two year deal. So he's got next year and the year after that to build on it. So what we saw could happen again. Um, the other thing, the, the third thing is his good attitude that was mentioned by um, Holland. He's going to be the 13th forward, 14th forward, the Pepe Frez of the lineup. He's not going to probably be in every game. Like if they're counting on him as the third line winger, Going into the season, that's a problem. I think that's that's. But if you're counting him on your 13th and 14th forward, and Holland talked about his attitude when you sat the guy, right? Like they know now what he. They waved him, and they, they sat him. Yeah, they waved him. They sat him. They know how he took it. They know what's going to happen with this guy when he's out, sitting in the press box and just coming to practice. And they obviously have a pretty good impression of that. And and I think that's. That's something that you need, the right attitude in these in these bottom line players. Um, fringe players is is not a not a small thing. Um, uh, what's the other? Okay. His low salary. This is obviously a huge factor, Bruce. They can send him to the minors and there's no hit against the cap. They could sign 10. All you're doing when you when you're signing him, the opportunity cost of signing this player is one roster spot on a 50-man roster, which is a very small uh, opportunity cost for a player who's 
you know, an NHL tweener who can, who can fit into the NHL probably, you know, in a bottom line role. That's a very low opportunity cost. And the other one is the amount of t- playing time that Dave Tippett invests in him um, is another opportunity cost. That could go to a different player who might be a better player. So using it on Devin Shore is a cost. But And so that's the main thing against signing him is, the, is that. That Tippett's going to invest a lot of time in him. They could have brought in another player at that level and done better with him. But Tippett has in mind a role for this player. He likes this player. This player has a good attitude. Mm-hmm. Small opportunity uh, cost to the roster thing. You could bring in five or six Devon Shores, Bruce, and you're not shooting yourself in the foot. You really aren't. So in, in that light, I think you don't want to overreact. Like even right. if you don't like the signing and you're not keen about the player, this isn't a big deal. It really isn't. And it, and there's a, a distinct possibility he could really, he could help your team, not really help your team. There's a distinct possibility he will help the Oilers. It's definitely not fire Ken Holland material. I'm sure we'll be reading some of that. Uh, it is kind of scratch your head material about, you know, what what is it that they see that they value in the player that isn't obvious uh, from the numbers because there's not a lot obvious from the numbers. And I do think, see things that they like. And I did find some stuff in the numbers, which I did cite in the, the post I've just written about it. In uh, the miscellaneous numbers that uh, a lot of the uh, um, analytics folks really don't like, uh, I call them without the puck numbers. Um, yeah. Hits, uh, block shots, uh, takeaways versus giveaways, uh, where Shore was actually the best on the orders, believe it or not, 15 takeaways, only eight giveaways. Uh, so he managed puck okay. Uh, he played a physical game. He got in the shooting lanes. Uh, all of that is evident in his uh, in his uh, hits hits per sixty blocks blocks per sixty. All that stuff is actually pretty positive on this guy. Um, he was okay in the faceoff circle, fifty three percent, and that included more more defensive situations than offense. His problem was when the puck was in play. The other guys had it all the time. That's why he had was able to produce good without the puck numbers because his team was without the puck most of the time when he was out there, like over 60% of the time by all of the, uh, uh, you know, the shot related metrics suggest the other team had the puck 60% of the time when he was out there. And so that, that is, uh, that is not good. And so, you know, that's kind of, that's a huge red flag. In fact, uh, but these other things, and I mean, he's a 26-year-old guy. He's got 326 games of NHL experience. That's a lot. Uh, and he's playing for under a million bucks in the prime of his career and, and uh, with a GM and a coach who saw enough of him to want him back. Yeah, I liked him with uh, Kara and Archibald on that line as mm-hmm. the checking line. I didn't, I didn't, I thought that line was okay when I saw it. I wasn't complaining about it every game after every game, I don't think. I think they generally hung in there. I don't know what their analytics were. And so, you know, and then in the playoffs, in that last game, I, I'm just worried, Bruce, that, that he made such a good impression in the last couple of playoff games that the, the, they were hugely impacted by that, which would be another kind of mm-hmm. classic mistake in hockey judgment. That that were you know re- recency bias I guess that would be called or, um, yep, and and uh, it, but it's more than that it's more like like it, it's like a because it's a big game it's big game bias too right like you, you think oh well, he had this big game and a big game because because in the overtime Bruce 
he looked as likely to score as almost any Edmonton Oilers player, uh, you know, including an exhausted Connor McDavid. He he was mm-hmm. flying up and down the wing. He looked good, like he really he really did. So uh, that had me thinking, oh yeah, like Devin Shore, all right. And then then you know you take a look at the numbers again and you think, oh Devin Shore, man, he really flies mm-hmm. around out there, but he doesn't accomplish much. And um, no. and well, as you played, say, the team doesn't do great when he's out on the ice. 24 minutes and 56 seconds in that game, which surely is a career high. A lot of them, in, a lot in overtime. Like they cut down to nine forwards. Yeah. We're doing three lines. And he was one of the three lines. He wasn't one of the three guys that was nailed to the bench. He was uh, he was in the rotation. And as the overtime went along, he, as you say, he looked strong. Are you know relatively strong? Like he had more energy than a lot of guys out there. Maybe because he hadn't played 28 minutes in regulation time, like some of them did. But at the end of the night, no goals, no assists, no points, minus one. And he was on the ice for the tying goal, along with the four other guys that all got benched, and he didn't. And anyway, uh, it was. Um, uh, don't want to get into the specifics of the tying goal, other than he was probably the least guy at fault on that play. Yeah, I don't but, think he was at fault. But yeah. uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was a strong showing for him, and it left a very good impression, and obviously a positive one with uh, with Holland and Tippett. And I see a role for him. You know, I don't hate him as a, like, 12, 13, 14. Um, yeah. If he's going to be in and out of the lineup, uh, you know, they could clear his salary to the American Hockey League. All of it, if they if they waived him, if they lost him on waivers, it wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, it's it's not a it's not a Kyle Turris contract where and Kyle Turris had worse results than Devin Shore did this year. Where even if you bury him in the AHL, he's still going to put you know a five hundred thousand dollar hurting on your salary cap, right? There's nothing like that. This guy is is below that. Uh, uh, that range where you can you can bury the whole contract. So those type of contracts, I I don't get too hot and bothered about, because if he doesn't perform, you know, then unless you're sort of unreasonably hanging on to him and uh, when he's playing poorly, uh, if he doesn't perform, they have options where you know they can they can uh, they can move him along. Alrighty, I I agree, Bruce. We're we're kind of on the same page, I think, mm-hmm. in the end. Uh, Let's leave it there. I got to run now, unfortunately, because I got to get somewhere. So uh, thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.